0: Credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Air Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
1: The hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites.
2: This is Talk.
1: Andrew, welcome back to The Hard Shoulder with me, Shane Beattie, standing in for Ivan Yates and every Friday on the show. At around about this time, we take a look back at the stories that really got us talking over the past seven days. Joining me for this special bank holiday edition of the final furlong in studio this evening are the comedian Steve Cummins, broadcaster and commentator Lee Sand and Barry Kenny, corporate communications manager at Ian Row there. And you're all very welcome to the programme. Any uh, big plans for the bank holiday weekend?
2: Not if the weather holds up I think it'll be al fresco uh, maybe with a cold beer and that's about the height of it I think (laughs) See I'm
1: concerned because it's so sunny today that we're worried we have just kind of assumed this is going to be Have you any geeks coming up Steve? Well oh yeah I'm actually I'm in
3: in somewhere in Wicklow tonight of all places but no uh, my big excitement is the Rush Harbour Festival is on I I live in Rush and it's the Harbour Festival this whole weekend big air show on Sunday uh it's brilliant. It's just it's a huge and God bless, I got it normally I'm the first one to give out about Aaron Road Air, but they've actually, <laughs> was normally given, Ivan, actually. <laughs> given free parking in the train station because there's gonna be a lot of number a lot of people coming. Wow. So they're gonna do a kind of a park and ride thing. And well done, Iron
1: Rod, for that.
4: Justin Rush it? for other Just other station users.
1: <laughs> okay, so we won't get free parking everywhere. <laughs> everywhere exactly, <laughs> Just to be clear, yes. Barry, trains running and all that. Yes, stuff. absolutely. it's a
4: busy weekend, so once this so was the evening rush this evening goes by, we'll maybe relax a bit for the weekend. Literally, no plans, doing good. nothing, looking sounds forward to it, it. Sounds
1: like a good plan. We will stay with the whole evening rush hour and commuting because I want to talk first about a campaign which is being run by the American AA called "Don't Drive Intoxicated," which is designed to raise awareness of drivers who take text while driving and if you just open your eyes on any of the roads you see this day in day out it's a bad habit unfortunately many of us are guilty of so I want to ask you it's a, if it's a bad habit you're guilty of or there's any other maybe bad driving habits you want to admit to at least your observations first of all on texting while driving
2: well, I think that term in-texticated is terrible. I mean, why not just call them gobshites, which <laughs> they are. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I don't think you know we should put lipstick on this particular pig. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you you would need to be blind not to see that people are engaging on their mobile phones, and I personally don't do it. Um, have you ever? I've never texted. No, really? I mean, I have been guilty of answering a call, but I mean, I would immediately put it onto speaker so, and then say I'm driving and get off. I mean, simply because. You know, you just you know yourself how distracted you are.
1: But what about the temptation when you're driving and you hear a little bing, and it could be someone you're waiting to hear from? Would you not just pick up the phone and just check and say, "Oh yeah, Grant, there's Mary. She's ready to go work with No, I
2: mean, I can I can seriously wait. You know, I don't necessarily feel that that compulsion. But you know, while we're on the subject, I would love, and maybe actually, since we have somebody who knows these things that you do with us, um, I would love someone to do a time and motion study. Somebody involved in transport, because I am absolutely convinced that. The, um which I seem to see see as an increase in in delays and traffic jams and so on it's down to people sitting at traffic lights looking at their phones the phones go or the lights go from red to green, and they 're still sitting there looking at their phones <laughs> they're not ready and to go no and I mean I have become incredibly intolerant of this. I now operate on the principle of the New York Minute, which is was explained to me by a New York, New York cop. That is actually the nanosecond between a light going from <laughs> uh, from red to green, and, and you know when the first person sits, stands on their horn. And literally, if somebody doesn't bolt off as soon as the light goes green, I'm on the horn straight away because I know that they're, that the first person of the lights is sitting there on their phone. Well,
1: there might be a learner. They might be ready to go just no, yet. No, no, Because there's the no L, L plates. Up. Yeah, no, there's no L, or L <laughs> plates.
2: This is just some.
1: So you think they're testing away and they don't realize the change in no. light and they're not ready to go. The
2: amount of times you see lights go from green to, you know, from red to green and then back to red and maybe one car gets through because, you know, the you know lat- the lachico in the front in in the front of the, yeah. of, the of the queue just hasn't moved. But I'm convinced that, that this is actually you know I'd love to know maybe Barry's <laughs> views
1: on this. Train, a, <laughs> train drivers aren't texting.
4: No, absolutely driving. not. Yeah, I transport. would of course stress that things that are regarded as bad habits while driving you can do at your leisure in public transport uh, <laughs> including texting and, e- but and not eating, the driver. But what I mean, yeah, if you're at the front of the light and on the road, your job is to move when the, when, the, when the lights go green. Simple as whatever. And I mean, come to bad habits. I I think it might be because I was a late learner. I didn't start and learn to drive till I was thirty five because again, of, you know, the on message for the rail for the rail service. Um, but I am impatient and I'm vocal. And uh, vocal
1: we, to the point where they can hear you or just in the <laughs> confines. They of your can own certainly car? see the <laughs> gestures. <laughs> yeah, I drive with my mouth as well. Yeah, yes. I, I I'm
3: com- I'm a commentator when I'm driving. Yeah. Look at this idiot, look, look at, at this film. Moron. look at that idiot over there. Oh my god, I can although yesterday I wound down my window and shouted at a guy who was texting while driving. Did you? Um, I was I was on a dual carriageway. Uh for those of you who must know it's the Donabay Roundabout. I come up with the Donabay Roundabout and uh, there's a there's a petrol station there and the guy came out of the petrol station and I could see and he was driving along and he still had his left indicator on and I was looking I was, and you know you're just driving up and I was kind of going I wonder is he and he wasn't just texting mm he was head down in his lap texting like completely fogged in and I just I was in the outside lane so I went past him and I stopped and he happened to pull up beside me at the set of traffic lights and that's when I wound down my window and I went you're going to get somebody killed you moron and of course wow. he wouldn't even look at me
1: He didn't oh, acknowledge it not at all
3: Which, would you though you know but I mean? not everyone
1: <laughs> is as holier than I was least I mean people are texting <laughs> while driving in fairness and you know these now with the, the phones that's have the first the, time
2: by the way I've ever called <laughs> holy St. Lise the phones
1: have uh, now obviously they have the GPS maps on, on them and when people have them on their, their dash, yeah, is it not a temptation for people that then a text comes in and they just look at the text message, maybe skip off from the map for a second? I've often wondered, you know, when you do have that dash mounted
3: little phone holder, I've often wondered how that can be allowed, really. Because at the end of the day, it is another distraction. It's like a screen in your car that you can look mm. at. Uh, I, with you, I agree with at least massively on the people who don't pull off from the lights but I'm not quite the, the what, to put it politely nutter apparently the you are <laughs> <laughs> I don't lean on Haridan, the horn, please. but I will Haridan. give a bit yeah Harrod <laughs> the, 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 friend, the friendly bit I'll give the friendly bit which is like <laughs> wakey wakey yes, you know what yes, I mean so. I won't be like Mrah! and I imagine that who, who's guilty of, of the worst hand gestures here
4: yeah. Barry has his hands yeah. up. What, do you, do you have a go
3: to? Is it a clenched fist? Is it a. Well, there's, there's the general finger? kind of,
4: you know, uh, arms in the air, but I, I have on occasion uh, gone to uh, really? a, a level that really is yeah. unacceptable. You can all imagine what Until, was, the, until the time when actually the car ahead, <laughs> uh, the uh, both driver and passenger got out. Wow! I, I was absolutely certain that Windscreen was going to be smashed. And, and Did they
1: say anything to you? Um, oh, yeah, did, yeah, absolutely.
4: And my wife said, that will turn you na- teach, you teach you yes. now. And yes. I bet it didn't. It actually did. Lease, did it? Oh, yeah. Never, it hasn't been brought out again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you explain to me, from my days driving on the N7, stuck in traffic every morning, oh, God, can you explain the phenomenon of women, predominantly women, oh. doing their makeup <laughs> while driving and how this happens? Why can't they factor in the time at home? Why do they think it's acceptable to do it?
2: Yeah, uh, this is a tricky one. I mean, I certainly have never put my makeup on uh, when I'm driving. I have put it on, on the bu- like, on the, you know, discreetly, maybe upstairs on the bus if I think nobody's looking. And I mean, that wouldn't be the full face, just maybe a bit of lippy and a bit of mascara or something like that. Because, mm. you know, the bus moves, so it's not great to get a straight line. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't really understand this one. Um, I presume it's just people... If it's women, it's often because they're trying to get maybe two kids out the door, you know, for school and they don't have the me time necessarily in order to get things like the face done. Because some women um, take a long time to put their, their I, I can do go, I can do full face in about, you know, 60 seconds really because, hey, you know, I've got to work about what I have. already. So <laughs> <You've only laughs> but, but it is as dangerous but texting but and driving. Well, you know, it it's completely as dangerous. And I mean, I certainly won't, <clears> you know, but I've seen guys shaving.
3: Yeah. I mean, I oh, have yeah. seen guys
2: shaving as yeah. well. Presumably with the electric. It's
4: the hot <laughs> towel, really, the cost of the crashes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't
1: it interesting, though, the people factored their commute in now as time to spend on themselves. And <laughs> well, sort of, in a way. Which is just amazing. I
3: saw a woman driving uh, once on the M50. And I remember I, deli- I just checked my speed because we were all roughly going the same speed. And she was doing 50 miles an hour. But she had the, her hand flat on the centre of the steering wheel and she was doing her finger... <laughs> And I thought, no, that's excessive. That's not, you know, you're desperately getting a bit of libby on. That's like you're doing your nails (laughs) while driving. I mean, that's just
2: admirable because, I mean,
3: like (laughs) it is a a skill.
2: I mean, it's hard enough to do it stationary in a flat surface. I kind of take my hat off to her, to be honest.
1: For all the people commuting this evening in the big mass exodus that there is at the Bank College, just have a look out your window and just see what other drivers are up to. Now, I want you all to take a listen to this.
0: Um, So I've got a really, really lovely girl, beautiful, very well presented, but
1: very kind of Essexy in her accent. Um, I can't get her a job for love nor money just because as soon as people meet her, she's not necessarily the person that they want to kind of
0: pick up the phone to their kind of high-end clients or um, things like that.
1: Well, that was a clip from the BBC show Breaking Into The Elite. It raises an interesting question about how much accents matter. She's on about her Essex accent there. So I want to ask my guests, have you ever suspected maybe you weren't offered a job because of your accent? And also, do we have these sort of preconceived ideas about a person because of the way they sound? Barry, I'll come to you. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you'd like to think in 2019 that we're all totally grand with wherever people are from, whatever they sound like.
4: But then, you know, you hear and you hear me and look, I have a neutral accent, you know what I mean. I, my mum's from Cork, my dad's from Mayo. I'm married to a, wife, a woman went to college in Limerick. I'm from Dublin, so I have this. You kind can't pinpoint of, uh, where uh, you're ab- from. Absolutely not, nothing going on, but there is, and I think for me particularly in kind of sports broadcasting, just this absolute uh, if you like drift to the bland in terms of commentary. I mean, actually in commentary analysis the people we love and the people we remember are the ones that have absolutely distinctive accents like me, and Murray hertic obviously Murray Walker uh, I uh, Murray one. Walker exa- exactly So in, do you in, think
1: we're phasing out <coughs> accents and we want everyone to sort of sound mid-Atlantic neutral?
4: Uh, I, I do think there's a trend I think in, in the generality of it I mean you know what I mean there's a time when the, the football the soccer commentators you'd know them all you'd know their foibles you'd know this now and I watch a good bit of it, you know. Uh, I really can't tell one match to other who is actually doing the yeah. commentary here. It's almost a deliberate uh, tactic, I think, maybe to put the stars on the pitch up and that this is just part of the background wallpaper. Right.
1: But, but that's people who are going for a job where their voice is used. At least this is about people who are going for ordinary run-of-the-mill jobs and some people still feel that they're judged by the accent and where they're from. Is that still the case in 2019?
2: I think it's kind of hard to say. I mean, you know, if you take a Dublin accent, what is a Dublin accent? You know, when you describe I mean I have conversations about this, you know, is it Russell Carl Kelly or is it Dustin the Turkey? You know. <laughs> so, you know, they they're both Dublin accents and is one more you know, <clears throat> regarded as, you know, more authentic? Does one send out, you know, messages that another doesn't? Does you know, is it that, you know, someone who's a Dustin accent, you know, means that they come from working class and therefore they aren't Maybe as well educated or as articulate, which is
1: nonsense. Yeah, you know, I mean, wo- this is
2: actually nonsensical. The
1: woman in the clip was talking about the Essex accent, and they still feel that that's difficult to get a job with that accent. Yeah,
2: well, I, for a start, I think the whole thing of accents. I mean, in Britain, you know, they're obsessed with accents. Yeah, and because it's so much tied into class mm. as well. You know, they they it really is. Whereas here, it's more, you know, where your people from, and it's more regional. I I don't think we still, the, the snobbery tends to be rooted more in where you're from rather than. What so your social status is? You know, I mean, I'm a dub, therefore naturally the Cork accent drives me crazy <laughs> so you know but I like the Donegal accent because I've no beef with them right and you know I'm quite sure every Cork person you know will rise up and say well we hate the Dublin accent so which is fair enough it, you know we tend to look at accents differently it's more about placing you in a certain place rather than on a, on yeah. a, on a social strata I right. think
1: So Steve is your woman exaggerating then <clears throat> in the clip on that uh, No I don't show? think
3: so and actually
1: I get exactly what she's saying but
3: I can also see I grew up in Moira Ross in Limerick mm. right and uh the proper morass accent is pretty much this do you know what I mean now can you imagine you listening to this driving in your car on the way home <laughs> right? and I worked I worked it wasn't that I had to work hard wasn't not rubber, to have the accent the rubber
1: bandits are very <coughs> successful in fairness to Absol-
3: them absolutely and Blind Boy's podcast is brilliant but uh, the exception that proves the rule uh, I, I to, my, to my eternal shame made two dubs <laughs> um, but I may, I've, gone to a, I've gone to a lot of effort with them. So said, so, you know, just with, with pronunciation, you know, spew and balloon all that. Just like, just no. So like, I remember with my youngest, when he, I remember he said he asked for a spewn and I went spoon. And then it became a joke for a while. And now he's got great diction. And I think the reason I'm a big fan of it is I do think all doors are open to you. If you have a good speaking voice. But it's
1: very right that we've sort of gone to the bland, the banal accent. It it
3: does seem, it's like I noticed a a woman singing on uh, Grafton Street today and she was singing like so many other singers are now and it's kind of like putting this kind of a (laughs) into her voice. Mm. And it's like the first person who did that was a genius and well done. Mick, be your own voice, be your own, you know, come up with your own way of doing, your own style. That's how people get huge and famous and everything else. Everyone wants to try and sound like Ed Sheeran now. Yeah. Guess what? There's already an Ed Sheeran. But I also
2: think in Ireland as well that accent is very much, part, it's tied up with dialect and the way we speak and the language we use and the words we use. Because, you know, every area like Limerick or Cork or Dublin, they have you know their own slang. And, you know, and I think that's an incredibly rich part of our of our cultural, social history. So when that gets blanded out, we lose an awful lot of that sort of colour as well. Now, you know, I think a lot of radio stations, all radio stations, I mean, RT are guilty of it. Most of the commercial stations are of having people that sound like us. You know, we have the neutral accent. Mm. And I would like to hear more... Uh, a you know. would you though I actually would, <laughs> would you? except well, for cork, I'll tell you what I'm going to do <laughs>
1: Steve we're going to go to a break will you do the break the introduction to the break and say we'll be back after in that beautiful Limerick In accent. the beautiful please uh, how uh, Andrew, welcome um, back. to are Hard Shoulder what are we listening to? to a final, furlong final Furlong here on your block, and uh, the stay around, Steve and we'll probably drag on some just stuff to some stuff. We've got broadcaster and commentator Lee Hand and Barry Kenny, communications manager at Erin Road. Erin, we're going to talk about pets now because having a pet is more likely to make you happy than being in a relationship. The research carried out by a pet brand found two thirds of pet owners spend more time with their animals than the people they live with and over one third talk to their pet more than their own family. Can we blame them for that? Can we? Anyway, so do any of my guests have pets and does their happiness depend on the love of the pet and the loves you have in your life? Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Three pets at home. We have
3: Brian the cat, who happens to be female, it's a long story, Uh, (laughs) who just basically is is, as all cats are. whatever swear word you want to put in just basically uses our home (laughs) Um, and then we have two dogs Uh, my dog Wolfie she's a border collie she's so bright she could do your taxes and my wife's dog Bugsy is a pug and he is without doubt the dumbest creature I've ever met in my life (laughs) and the reason it's so uh, forefront of my brain I was only talking to Roisin your producer there a couple of days ago just after I'd paid someone to come and power hose and wash my furniture because of the un Trainable pug, right? For peeing all over it. But does he make you happy? He does because he's adorable. All of course, the, you wouldn't have animals in your house if you didn't. I mean, they are lovely. I, I have to. I want to say though. To my darling wife, I, I still pick you over the dogs. <laughs> but, uh, they're I mean, they're a joy to have. They'll ruin your house, but there's nothing better than being in a house of animals.
1: Barry, can you understand this, where people say that they're actually happier talking to their pets than their family, and they bring them an enormous amount of joy? I
4: cannot pass a cat without talking to it. Really? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're a real cat At the person. back of Connolly Station, actually, it's an incredible thing, because we've only moved office recently, and there's a container there, and there are basically a load of feral cats and there's a guy who's been coming morning and evening to feed them for years, right? And he what is the volume that he, he he produces but I can't pass a cat without having a conversation with him at least acknowledging that it's there. Uh, when I visit uh, my in-laws they will tell you uh, that the beam on the face comes <clears throat> when Ruby the cat comes along uh, like, you know, I, like you said, <laughs> I like the way
3: you said. like the you said you have a conversation with them. That, that implies not, they're talking back. Does, yeah, I was going to say,
1: does that not show that you've taken leave of your senses? Not at l- all.
4: I mean, I'm in the market for a cat at the moment. Although <laughs> all the cat rescue places want you to take two kittens yeah. at a time, and I'm kind of saying, well, can we not just have one that's already trained to go to the toilet outdoors? But you're getting nothing back from talking oh, to you a are, cat. I mean, the cat. A cat it's is so sh- imbued with personality, really, and particularly male- malevolent personality, exactly, which, which makes them absolutely fascinating to just engage with okay, you know, you know, it's just plain isn't it? weird yeah you know, no, that, way, that, is, that is plain but, but weird but
1: Lisa, you know the way like dogs can kind of, you nearly think they're smiling at you and they kind of nearly bark at you and talk at you you don't get that with cats no I
2: mean we there's a family dog um, he's about 8 months old Ludo uh, he's a miniature dashunt and he oh, is Hilarious. I mean, like people just burst out laughing when they see him. I don't know <laughs> whether it's just his preposterous shape but he, he just has this incredible ability to make people laugh and there's constant fights over who's going to, you know, mind him when anybody goes away because he's just adored and, you know, we've always had dogs um, and I'm a huge dog fan whereas I would absolutely have no I'd have no truck with a cat now yeah, I'm the same I think yeah. you're either
1: one or the other I can't stand cats yeah. I don't get them I don't get the I animal mean, animal I, do underst- I struggle with this yeah, I
2: mean <laughs> I do understand I mean I do understand you know people sort of saying you know, they have better relationships with their you know their pets than they do with but the, their, but the, the, because, yeah, well pe- of course they would because you know your pet isn't going to tell you your bum looks big and that or you to take out the bins seriously, or seriously <laughs> well, like cat would well like maybe cat would yeah yeah, true But you know, people saying though
1: that they spend more time talking to their pet than their family
2: yeah but to see the the. The pets not going to answer you back and tell you to get a life, right? You know, or to get a job or get a haircut, right? You know, the party you you're getting uncritical feedback. You know, and the pet will look interested, know. like and they the will stare will, at you. Yeah. And go on, go on. So tell you can more. sort of tell things, you know, without getting, you know, the cat yeah. things, and not
1: without getting judged. And of course, as well, Steve, that when you come home, your wife doesn't get down on her hands and knees and start jumping up and down, but well. the dog would. Well, we don't know. <laughs> well, all on a the Friday mention it, right? Although weirdly enough,
3: she's the one that comes in the door because I'm the I'm the one at home. And do you and get yeah, on your hands and knees? I do. I wag my tail. I'm, I'm
1: I'm, I'm, I'm jumping up on her it's great. it's great it's great it's adorable but you do get an incredible welcome when you come home you absolutely do
3: you do what you do for the dog I, I, we were away in uh, we were away in Cyprus at a wedding there a couple of weeks ago and we have a, a person who comes in and walks them twice a day and keeps them company and blah 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 but when you come in the door we, we just know it we all gonna kind of gather around and then open the door and this insanity comes racing out. Now, the cat just looks and goes, did you bring me food? No, i 'll well, see you later. But the dogs <laughs> just go crazy. It's the,
4: It's the neediness of the dog. Like, I mean, you know, do you know, admire not admire the cat's neediness. independence, the fact that when you're gone, the cat can actually get itself You see, Somebody,
2: the right. dog, there's definitely so <laughs> something about dogs, right? You know, we're a nation of dog lovers. We have a huge, there's a huge, you know, num- I can't remember, I remember doing a story on this last year and, you know, the level of dog ownership, mm. particularly dog ownership in Ireland, is huge and, I lived in, I was lucky enough to live in New York for a few years and of course they're dog mad. I mean to the point I remember watching the local uh, television news and there was a sad story about this elderly gentleman walking his dog in the park and had been viciously assaulted. And they moved on to the next item. A few minutes later they came back and they said uh, due to the volume of calls we need to let you know that his dog Skippy was okay. He wasn't assaulted. Wild. You know, never he was like. Watchdog well, the... well, I totally. I think <laughs> he was some little kind of little New York poodle type. But no, you know, well. it's just we. You know, people just have this. They give love to a dog because they're not afraid to. That yeah. I think, and I think that's it because they know they're not going to get rejected. La- so, uh, when we our so last getting a bit deep about it, but our, you know, I think it is like that. Our know? last
4: cat, I would actually almost use it as a foil for conversations. With my wife, kind of, you know, do you see that? Do you think that was reasonable to the cat? Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks for that. You're listening to the final furlong here on The Hard Shoulder. My panel this evening, the comedian Steve Cummins, the broadcaster and commentator Lise Hand, and Barry Kenny, who's the corporate communications manager at Erin Road Aaron. We're gonna talk about something now that I think a lot of people listening are probably guilty of, but they'll never admit to it which is to do with talking at gigs. I just want to give you a tweet that was sent out over the weekend. Kelly-Ann Byrne, who's a presenter of The Beat Goes On on Today FM, sent out the following tweet. Ireland, I love you, but you need to stop talking at gigs. Three times tonight I told people to stop talking. I've no problem telling people to shut up, but I don't like losing my temper. The gig is about the musician, not you and your bad week at work or pathetic Tinder dates. Have some respect. Kelly was very angry, obviously, after the gig she was at, but she did get a huge response on Twitter and mainly looking at the replies, people agreed with her. Uh, So do you agree, should people be keeping silent when they go to a gig? Lisa, I know you're a big music fan. Yeah, Is this something that's annoying or is Kellyanne exaggerating here? She is
2: not exaggerating. I'm 100% with her on this one and it literally makes the top of my head come off. It really does. It's something that drives me insane, (laughs) Um, particularly... Uh, And I think it's, you know, I think I actually see it a lot at standing gigs when people are standing and particularly, say, if you're in the mosh, if it's a big gig and you're in the mosh pit at the front, which is, you know, supposed to be full of the diehard fans who queue up, get the bands and all run in to get near the stage. But, of course, there will also be a cohort of people that knew somebody who got in who, you know, who don't really care.
3: Corporate tickets and all. The
2: corporate tickets, the sort of the prawn sandwich brigade, basically. competition winners and things. Yeah, and i was sort of you you know you'd be trying to listen to like somebody that you love right and you know it could be it could be maybe an even acoustic gig or solo gig or whatever so it becomes much more apparent and i'm looking at these people going like, if you go and see the new Batman film, you're not commentating about your week the whole way through it. So, why do you think it's okay to do it in a big gig? Is it just because you're, there's safety in numbers? And is it she is right? Insanely
1: rude. Is Kellyanne right that they would be talking about dates they've been yeah. on that week or giving out about their boss and stuff? Absolutely.
2: I mean, you know, the odd comment about wasn't that a great song or, you know, or whatever, or I have the, you know, I have the bootleg version going back to 1976. I bought it a cassette tape on O'Connell Bridge. Right, fine, that's okay. But like a long expostulation about how like your your nightmare Tinder date. <laughs> Save it for the pub afterwards, lads. I mean, they're literally. I, honest to God, think that you know the big gigs should genuinely have wardens going around, going, shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up. Second warning, get out. Right? Steve. No, really. I mean, I am completely. I'm. I'm absolutely like a you know, I'm, I'm 100% with her on No, this. I can tell, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's a steam coming at my ears probably gave it away. <laughs> See,
1: I'm afraid to go to a gig you're at now. Steve, um, speaking about comedy, and obviously you, you perform in front of audiences at gigs. I was at Tommy Tiernan last Friday in the oh, Ivy Ivory Gardens. Yeah, uh, and like he was only on for maybe 40 minutes, but in that time, lots of people talking, lots of people going out for fags, lots of people going to the toilet, lots of people going for drinks, to the point where two people in front of me, I heard them saying, why did some people come to Why this? did they even bother coming to the gig? comedy the gig is different to a music gig, though, because you can get heckled as well. Well, you can get
3: he- heckling. Is uh, a Heckling, I thrive on heckling. Because, I mean, if you even look at the laughter lounge website, it says hecklers have met their match. I enjoy that. As the host there, and, you know, we've a, we, it's a, we're have we a big club. There's like 350 people in. And it's there's, the people on the stage have worked very, very hard to craft exactly how they're saying the words they're saying. And even, even so much as where they breathe in a sentence can mean the difference between a big laugh and not. Um, it, we, the way we do it, the first act's on. I'll, I'll go on, I'll do 15, then the first act does 15. So there's a half an hour. Then there's a break. Then the middle act, I'll come on and do 10. The middle act does about 20, 25, so another, roughly another half an hour. Then another break. Then I'll come on and do five, and the headliner does, say, 35. Mm. So you're never stuck for great swaths of time. So you should be able to sit quietly. I make I, I talk about it at the beginning. And if anyone is talking during... Well, say if I'm on the stage and someone's talking. Not, obviously, something like... That was hilarious, or a quick pass me a yeah. thing, or whatever. But if someone's having a chat, and you will have people in the front row having a chat, well then I will, I'll, I'll warn you once or twice, very nicely. I'll and ask you can hear
1: stuff. when you because sometimes I think people in the audience think that they can't be heard. So can you hear them from the stage? Of course, but everyone else can. So as I always say, it's distracting for the
3: acts on the stage, and it's distracting from people sitting around you. So what do you say to them? So it depends. Sometimes it might be something where did you learn to whisper in a helicopter? <laughs> if someone because they're just trying to be quiet, <laughs> and then it just kind of go. Or another common one of mine because I do kind of command the stage when I'm on it, and I'll, be, I'll just kind of go, shh, daddy's talking. <laughs> and that, that'll kind of work. Because I, like, I do try and do it nice, but if people go to an extreme where they, they've had plenty of gentle warnings, yeah. and I'll turn around. I, I have said to people, you're... A pig ignorant whatever how dare you think you're more important than everyone else in this room Why don't you put the microphone up to them and
1: say share that with the room what because, were talking well, about? No,
3: because the thing is you you give that much attention mm. to a to a drunk or an idiot like, blah, blah, and then okay. they feel they're a huge part of the show
1: uh, I find brutal humiliation works <laughs> Okay, Barry Kenny um, I mean the argument could be made I suppose from these people that you know they're paying a lot of money for us. if they want to go out and have a good night with their friends they want to have a bit of a catch up maybe they haven't seen someone in a while to go Is for it that, dinner, You know, Sorry. first world problems here. Is it that big of that's, a deal?
4: That's the before and after. I mean, the worst I've experienced, I actually re- replied to this tweet when I saw it in Vicar Street a few years ago, right? Art Garfunkel, smallish venue, right? Beautiful to this singer. day, the most perfect human voice I've heard perform yeah. live, right? Absolutely fantastic. What's the iconic song, Bridge Over Troubled Water? Mm-hmm. Who the hell is this guy? Two tables over, who decides to have a full-blown conversation on his mobile phone oh, while of no. over troubled water? I was leaping <laughs> over. What the hell do you think you're doing? Whatever, an absolutely wrecking affair. That's the most extreme I've did seen. Did you call him on it? Oh,
3: completely. I, you, I, yeah. I, I left I said, Get too, out!
4: I said we well, don't want to hear it. And ultimately, the stewards did come along, and he looking around at everybody. You know, what's what have your I done, yeah. What, yeah. What, What's yeah. wrong here? And I was at Stevie Wonder a few weeks ago, which look, it was a variable quality gig. But like that, in the standing area. And it was just this constant, incessant chat going on. And they were expensive yeah, tickets. Yeah, You know what I mean? It happened
1: to me at Hosier a couple of years ago. He was doing the Olympia about two days before Christmas. Beautiful gig. He was kind of big at the time. Yeah, yeah there was obviously a lot of competition winners there who really didn't care because they literally spent the whole time chatting. But just, you mentioned Art Garfunkel there. If you ever go to a Christy Moore gig, mm. Mm. he will not let you sing along unless he wants you to sing along yes. to certain songs. How would you have felt if everyone started sort of singing mm. When You're Weary and going along with Bridge Over Trouble Water? Is that as bad as talking? It's,
4: it depends on the song, I think. I mean, there are sing-along concerts. There are concerts there are, and yeah. where the act absolutely encourages and the act wants to see it, whatever. Frankly, nobody wants to hear the three of us war- warbling bridge over troubled water. I mean, there is, you want yeah. to hear this perfect singer sing the perfect song. I mean, song. yeah,
2: and you're you're you know Barry's actually right because there's a spell that a great artist on stage will cast over an audience, yeah. and it's about the bond between the artist and the audience. And when it works, it's it is brilliant, and it's something you'll remember forever. I mean, I remember all the best gigs I ever mm-hmm. saw, and none of those involved me having to tell. Somebody to dial it down, you know, who was annoying me because it was, it just worked. And you you can't create that if you have people chatting about their Tinder dates. What
1: about if they're singing along?
2: That's different. I mean, like, look, some of the best gigs are the ones where you're all there and you're jumping up and down, you're roaring out the lyrics or something. And again, that's part of the bonding experience, you know. So when you have somebody who decides that, you know, they just want to have a conversation. It breaks that spell and you can't create that bond between the, what's going on on stage and the audience. And everybody loses on that one.
3: Tell you something real quick, uh, which is worse than anyone talking. Uh, someone I know was at the an Andrea Bocelli concert and a drunk man behind her threw up all over her back oh. Oh. so I would have preferred to, right the chat, the to the chatting tone. but at, at Andre Bocelli as well
1: I mean of all places you know what I mean well there's a lot of festivals on this weekend so people should pay attention to what our <laughs> panellists are saying we'll be back with lots more uh, with our and panellists just welcome back to the final to the part break. of the final furlong here on the hard shoulder with me Shane Beatty in for Ivan my panel this evening For the final furlong is the broadcaster and commentator Lee Sand, comedian Steve Cummins, and Barry Kenny, corporate communications manager at Erin Road, Erin Barry. I want to come to you to talk about travelling because mm-hmm. the New York Post uh, scored a, quite a cheap shot at millennials this week when one of their columnists said it's just weird that young childless people are clogging up the lines at Disney World and the column was giving out that not just that the remaining constant 12 year olds amounts to self infantilization but that millennials were paying a premium for a fake world when they should be going off to Europe instead so he was just dogging into young people who go to Disneyland Disney World who don't have children. You travel a lot. What do you make
4: of that? I travel a lot and we don't have children and I've been to Disneyland in Florida. I've been to Disneyland in Paris and it's fantastic. Well,
1: you have Peter Ponson. Really. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> exactly.
4: yeah. I don't. I, I really don't get that when you kind of you're, you're the number of years that you've been on this earth kind of goes by that you're suddenly clocked to be, well, everything we can do is going to be very serious. <laughs> and if in Paris, I'm only going to go to, to La Louvre and I'm only going to go to the Sacre Coeur. It's ridiculous. It's part of the overall experience. I mean, going to Florida and not seeing one of the parks, be it Islands of Adventure, mm-hmm. be it the water... i mean, by the way, to this day, the water parks are, man from heaven for me, the, the Wild Wadi and the Atlantis in Dubai, I have to say recommend anybody to go uh, to those as well. It's about the variety that there is but in a place. Is I, I, it, I is it
1: r- appropriate for grown adults to be going to this fake world where nothing is real in it?
4: Well, I mean, you know, adults have been watching Fake World of Love Island incessantly in recent weeks. That's uh, why, we, why we drink and, and do drugs <laughs> for <laughs> the same <laughs> reason. I, I know, know we've we'll talking about TV shows, many of which exist in, in, in fake worlds as well. I mean, fantasy, fiction, this kind of, you know, suspending of reality, it's all part of the experience. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to be criticising any age group, frankly, um, from going along to theme parks. I mean, at
1: least the New York Post printed this, we should say, as well. I have to tell you, when I went to Disneyland Paris, I came out of it going, it's a great place, if only there was no children there, because <laughs> they just get a bit annoying. But well, what do you make of this? And is it another sort of cheap shot at millennials that this is sort of an older person giving out about them again?
2: Yeah, I mean, thank God there's one topic here that I don't feel I have to get up in arms about. I'm actually fairly neutral about this one. You know, when I saw well, Okay, of... so do you think so... it's weird or
1: not? <clears throat> No, I mean, I
2: I sort of think let them at it. You know, I, I really, I just think this is one of the, to be honest, I think this is a bit of a of an August story, you know, sort of silly season story, um, you know, where it really takes fairly, you know, somebody having a go and it turns into, a, it said the internet rages. Well, then the internet needs to get out more, to be honest. <laughs> Have you been you know, to Disneyland? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, it wouldn't be my cup of tea at all now. Because um, you're a grown adult? Or? No, just really wasn't never really into Disney and I, I'm child free, so I've never had to bring a small person there. Um, you but, know, but to his be honest point with is, you, his
1: point is, you don't have to bring small children.
2: Yeah, but it just it really wouldn't interest me at all. But there'd be other stuff. I mean, if I went to, say, Florida, I mean, I might go to Epcot or something yeah. like that. Right. Because that would interest me. But, you know, it's I really I don't really care. I mean, if, if child free <laughs> people want to go and, you know, like put on Mickey Mouse ears and fine, like let them off. You know, again, I mean, you know, and I don't want to sort of say this gets my goat because then I go back to cranky mode. But. You know, I do sometimes get a little, I suppose, irritated by, say, uh, p- families, parents with children who kind of go, well, we have children, so we should. Yeah, or absolutely. Yeah. You know, things like, I mean, I had an experience, you know, not that long ago when I was on a plane. I was, it was a transatlantic flight and, um, you know, I was asked, would I, would I move to let uh, a family sit together so I kind of looked at the scenario and they, they weren't small children. I mean, they weren't particularly small children. And mm. there was only one, ad, was they had four seats together and then there was one, you know, adult w- would sit somewhere else. I paid a lot of money to actually get an aisle seat because I'm six foot tall and I really do actually need to walk up and down the plane. Yeah, absolutely. So I pay the extra money. So I kind of respectfully said, look, well, I swear to God, daggers <laughs> at like, you know, 42,000 feet the whole way across. And I kept on saying, thinking to myself... They should be having a beef with the airline.
1: Not you. you know, yeah.
2: Not me because or I was travelling on my own. Or book your
3: seats early. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, you know I, I agree with that. By the way I know exactly why you love going to all the Disneys and everything else because you work with Irnodirn and, and you love queuing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, so that's
4: the whole reason you go. And,
1: and my, the rail based transport. I was only an hour and some of, some of the rides are late as well. <laughs> some so of the rides are late. Stand, yeah. Some of them
3: don't show up at all. Do you know uh, what I uh, mean? I'll you take your life in your hands when you get on
1: them. It's all there for you. On a serious point before I move on to the TV shows you are someone who has children. I'm someone who has children. Congratulations to con- you. Thanks very <laughs> do, much. Would you, you judge, would you judge <laughs>
3: Barry, Barry if you saw him in Disneyland? Not at all. I mean, come on, cop onto it. I would judge millennials though. Barry, you can do what you like. No, the, uh, look, if it, if it has really become that big an issue or if it becomes, it's obviously that was, that New York Times or is it the Times or the Post? Uh, Post. Mm-hmm. The, that New York Post reporter had clearly been on holiday two weeks before and with their children and didn't have a great time and blamed everyone around yeah. them. If you really want to fix it, I mean, they have fast pass lanes and they have regular pass lanes. So go have it very simple. There's if you've got children, lane and if you don't have children, lane. And I guarantee you, although I was blown away by the statistics, that there are way more childless people going to Disney than there are people with children. That's probably easier, because it's a lot of hassle. Much easier, to do I imagine? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, it's a hassle. It's like a military operation. Because mine are mine are old enough now, which is great. But I know, I know of a family and they took their three children, and the youngest was like or something onto the one in, in Disneyland Paris, the, the, the Haunted Hotel which oh, yeah. is a, a huge scary drop one and they didn't realise what it was oh, and no. how scary one, <laughs> uh, and they, they cannot get their children anywhere near a theme park I don't blame <laughs> them, yeah.
1: uh, listen before we go I just want to move on to a, a poll that was done in the Radio Times which asked its viewers to name their most missed TV programmes from this century, Foil's War I don't understand this but okay. anyway Foil's War came out on top as the number one show that people want back on their screens. Also on the list include Downton Abbey, Spooks, never heard of it, and Life on Mars. So, uh, well, first of all, Foil's War, have you watched that? No, I,
4: I'm vaguely aware that it existed. It's some detective yeah, thing. Did yeah. you watch it? Nope. Nope. No. One of these kind of cookie-cutter ITV shows. I yeah, always sure. kind of it's done, a good job right? they didn't yeah. survey any yeah. of us.
1: <laughs> any uh, TV shows, Barry, that you'd like to see brought back? Moonlighting. I don't now, know, I don't know putting age. I'm, I'm putting, an, I'm putting, I'm putting an age in oh, a friend. I haven't thought of that in yeah. years. That was a great show. It's yeah. oh,
4: uh, brilliant. Uh, 1980s show, the show that introduced the world to Bruce Willis and uh, Sybil Shepard. She was known before that. Basically, you, you don't know I mean, what not she is. Not a no, clue. No. Sybil so Shepard. I've been talking about the moon landing. Yeah, yeah. No, Sybil Shepard is an ageing model who discovers that her business manager has ripped her off and one of the things that she's left her with is this loss making detective agency, which Bruce Willis. I have to say, I'm describing it. It sounds like an appalling no, show. No, you're <laughs> describing it, perfectly, great, by the way. Great, yeah. But it is a fabulous show. It was so funny. It was yeah. so irreverent. They'd break the fourth wall. They'd do crazy episodes where effectively it was the taming of the shrew and all done in iambic pentameter. It was a tremendous show. And with the chemistry between the two of them, mm-hmm. it was incredible. Yeah. Now, it ran out of road. It, uh, the the stars didn't get on. Episodes were always late uh, to air. But there was an energy about it that I've rarely seen in a TV show. And I just like to think of David and Maddie, which were the characters, uh, coming back to them 20, 30 years later, meeting each other and seeing what's happened. Wow,
1: there's Brilliant. an idea I'm sure Brilliant. they'll be Brilliant. writing That's a great idea. Least any shows you want back?
2: Yeah, I think it is really time to bring back the thick of it. Ah, oh, oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> the bad. last the like, yeah, <laughs> is, but this, the trouble is it's back and how do you actually do the parody this yeah. of course was the, the very famous that uh, you know behind the scenes of government of the UK government you know Mal- introduced Mal- the world yeah. to Malcolm Tucker who was
1: like Alistair Campbell kind of who
2: was absolutely who's played magnificently with you know pop vengeance by Peter Capaldi who then obviously went on to do um 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 Doctor Doctor who. Doctor who but it was just it was genius and a lot of it came from the manic energy of of the Malcolm Tucker character but the scripting was just absolutely brilliant. It was done by Arnando Anucci, who went on to do uh, Veep, which, of course, has you know, won so many awards. And you can see a lot of the themes. But, like, it was so profane. I mean, I used to watch episodes going, how did they get away with that?
1: Well, apparently, he made up a lot of the swear words on the spot. They weren't even in the script. Well, this is it. And so he was going he, on his rant.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he might have even introduced the world to omni-shambles. I'm not sure. Yes, but I like some so. of the, yeah, I mean, some of the insults. I mean, I can't even repeat some of the quotes no. because they're so bad. No, it's okay. But things like, you know, he's so dense that light bends around him. You know, like great stuff like this. Or he was, I actually wrote down one because it was so good. He said, you know, he was ranting at some poor minion. And he said, you know... Um, when I need your advice I'll give the special signal which would would be me being sectioned under the effing
4: (laughs) Mental Illness Act right you know
2: like it it, it was you literally were on the floor for the whole of it and look at imagine what they could do now with
1: Brexit oh
2: my word it's time please
1: bring it back but you're right you're right in saying that I mean real life is such a parody now that you probably (laughs) wouldn't get away with it Steve any show you'd like back
3: Guard the Patrol
1: (laughs) Wow.
3: And I'll tell you why, right? Do you remember the good old days when you'd put on Guard Patrol and it was like two big jug eared Kerry (laughs) monstrosities just staring down the screen, just uncomfortable and just kind of with the proper thick accent and everything? Because guards nowadays, there's some guards, there's guards out in Balls Bridge now and they look like a cross between, you know, one of the Avengers and whatever. you know? Chips. Yeah, exactly. But they're all built and they're all, you know, bulletproof vests or stab vests and all this. Can these I, were guys in a big woolly jumper. Can, can I, I ask
1: really? a silly question? Is Go this on. the precursor to Crime Call? Way precursor. oh, <laughs> free, I'm, free, I'm dating free. myself way even, I'm going, going back
3: before <laughs> Moonlighting. It was just, there was something very comforting about it. This, these two big, and it was kind of good. And the crimes were never that great either. It's <laughs> yes. always like, you know, there's been a spate of, I don't know, sheep worrying or whatever <laughs> right and has anyone
1: seen this dog you know and it was it was nice Harkens goes
3: back to a nicer time
1: okay well uh, just the most, top 10 most missed TV shows number one as I said Foil's Foyles War we haven't even heard of this never mind I watched mean. it number two I fully agree with this The Bill do you remember how good The I Bill I loved The Bill, uh, uh, the bill, bill was it kind of went on yeah. forever though uh, third Did. one yeah twenty six years. Like. in third, third place was Count Arthur Strong yeah. No. Any, no no. Uh, fourth was Spooks. Fifth, <laughs> yeah, good show. Home that was good show. Home yeah. Fires, sixth Never heard. Life no. on Mars. That set- was
2: great. That was great because all the fashion was brilliant in the okay. 70s, yeah. Fantastic. Seventh
1: was It's only
4: just gone. I can't think yeah,
1: that's your um, man, um, I don't know that one. Mackenzie, Mackenzie, office, Crook. Mackenzie Crook, yeah. Mm. Uh, Down Abbey was after that number 8. Phoenix Knights was in ninth. Amazing. And then great. in 10th was Happy Valley. My one and I'm delighted to say it actually is coming back. Is Gavin and Stacey because I literally oh, watched that I never on saw repeat. You have to. It's right. brilliant. If it I fantastic. if I, if
3: I had you know the old gun with two bullets, I would shoot James Corden twice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, I feel similarly except for Hitler's, le-
3: Hitler's to his left by the way I'm no, making darn sure I get him both
1: eyes I, I, I don't particularly love him but I have to say the show is very good but anyway it's coming uh, back great. for a Christmas special thank you all for your memories no one mentioned Glenn Rowe, which I'm devastated over but anyway oh, thank you very much uh, thanks to my panel for coming in to me on The Hard Shoulder this evening of course Lise Hand Barry, Kenny and Steve Cummins have a lovely bank holiday weekend folks and thanks a million and th- that is your lot for The Hard Shoulder for this week my thanks to the production team Mark Simpson Ashling Moore Alex Russo Roisin Davis and John O'Donovan. Off the Ball is up next. I'll be back on Monday presenting the hard shoulder for Ivan on Bank Holiday Monday so have a lovely weekend.
0: Air Credit Card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift With Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to take off. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.